Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Cleve and Me, as we've been bringing it weekly all the time. And in fact, going back one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, we have eight, nine, ten. We have not missed a week in a very long time, Cleveland, which is pretty impressive as I bring you in here because we got a lot of crap going on and, uh, there's always just a lot of wrestling news, so we just got to keep coming hot and heavy. How are we doing, and are you ready to for me to prove you wrong on why uh, Logan Paul and Roman Reigns is a good uh, idea for the crown jewel? I'm doing really good, in case anybody knows. How about them Cowboys? Uh, yarder to win a game. It feels good to be on the winning side, unlike my partner Joe over here anyway. <clears throat> but, yeah, like we <laughs> Fair yeah. We got a major news this week that Logan Paul, out of nowhere, jumps in front of all the other wrestlers to challenge Roman Reigns for the Undisputed Champion at Crown Jewel, a.k.a. a show no one cares about. Let me ask you, what is what is Crown Jewel? What is it to me? It, the, it is a money grab, Crown it's Jewel. A, yeah, it's a glorified, yeah. Did, a glorified they not put two, did they not put... Two of the top WWE stars in terms of popularity in the match in the main event for Crown Jewel, a money grab. Well, I mean, listen, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Logan Paul is popular, but I don't think he's like the top popular. I'm not saying just wrestling, I'm just saying in general as a person. Well, yeah, a- I mean, yeah, he'll bring his YouTubers in, all the you know, the Fortnite kids and whatnot, but. My only problem is, I know, like, because I have the same thing on Bleach Report comment when somebody made the same comment. I understand that it's a glorified house show. That's technically really what it is because it really is. There have no meanings in the United States at all, but it's just, it's so predictable. Like, there's no way, there's probably a 5%. I wouldn't say too predictable because they did screw me over when Goldberg beat The Fiend a few years ago. So you can never call anything too predictable. But if I would bet, I got 90, 90% chance that Roman Reigns comes out on top of this match. And I mean, I would even go higher. I would go 99.99. I'm not, I'm not like, disagreeing. WWE is a little too unpredictable sometimes, especially, you know, Triple H might pull a swerve here and there. But I don't think I don't think he will, because if Logan Paul, out of all the guys, would have knocked off Roman Reigns, can you imagine Twitter blowing? Can you imagine how pissed off so many people would be? If but that's Bobby- why he's the perfect person to put in the match. Because, as Tones alluded to last week, and I um, I know he said it's a different character, Kevin Owens got his shot too early against Roman Reigns. We knew he wasn't going to beat him. He had three epic matches, but we knew Kevin Owens wasn't going to overtake him. That's why I didn't like how he was involved so early. Now they're rebranding him and building him with the new creative, which is great. But Logan Paul, you know he's going to lose. Crown Jewel is a money grab. You put a, a popular dude in it. And let's face it, the two matches he's had, he's been very talented in the ring. At least in my opinion. So we could disagree on that. But if you're going to get an automatic loss, that I like that they put him ahead of people who deserve it because it's a loss. He has no shot at winning. That's all right. Now that that makes a hundred. That that is definitely true. Because why waste a potential dream match for a 
glorify house show. I'm going to keep calling it that because technically that's really what it is. Like, it is. I don't think no one, like, they have put on good crown jewels shows before, but when you look at it, bro, you got to wake up early for it. And then it's just like none of them storylines. Mansoor wins all the time over there, right? Gets back to the States. What the hell does he do on the main roster? Nothing. So I definitely agree with that. I will say the best part from all this is the press conference where they sort of had a little standoff or whatnot. I, I like it. I do love that WWE is doing the press conference. I do. I feel like it adds more depth to the story and it gets more people talking about the program and whatnot. And that's mostly because the Roman Reigns has been phenomenal. I know I talk about it every week, but I've been watching wrestling for a long time. There's only a handful of guys that I've watched, John Cena, The Rock, Austin, that have had the aura that Roman Reigns has about himself right now, where you don't care that he's held the championship that long just because his character is so good. And then you got the bloodline. Listen. Jay Uso is eventually going to beat up Sami Zayn. It's coming. We saw, uh, I don't know if you saw the Instagram post where he put the clown emoji under, uh, on top of Sami Zayn's face. Sami Zayn responds back with the 50 cent. What the fuck I do to you? So, like, that's this is the comic, the, the comical stuff between the bloodline and whatnot. But that is a, I do, like I said, the Logan Paul match, I'm not a big fan of it, but I do see the reason behind it. But I think the real storyline is taking place within the bloodline is eventually when they beat up Sami Zayn and kick him out, he will be the most over star on SmackDown. That is a baby face, in my opinion. So you're going baby face for Sami Zayn. And I mean, I know he's more of a heel character, but that's how I feel about Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. He's loved by the fan base. Think about the crowd reaction. Same with Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins still gets cheered, even though he's technically a heel. Sami Zayn still gets – If once they – I think they will eventually switch him back, and I think they will bring back his old music, the one that everybody used to uh, sing to or not. I don't think Sami will end up in the main event picture. I think him and KO will eventually challenge – be the guys that take the belt off the Usos. Just because they teased it a few weeks back. But I do believe Sami Zayn, by the end of this year, will be a face again. Just because I think Jay Uso is eventually going to get tired of it and end up beating up on Sami Zayn. How long do you think Solo Sokoa stays around? Do you think he'll be around for a long time? Is He he told Sami Zayn to go to the, you know what, we're going to keep on SmackDown then and keep going this route. Um, oh, he's a... What do you think about him bringing out Sami instead of the his, you know, his, his blood? It was an interesting, like I said, it's just it was an interesting swerve because he basically told Jay, like, you know, you need to chill out or whatnot, like you too uh you too like hot and this and that. So he brings out Sammy, like I said, it's gonna cause a it's gonna cause an issue because like damn, he's like, damn, my brother's picking Sammy over me. And like Jay already doesn't like Sammy Zane at all. He doesn't feel that Sammy belongs. So I think that's definitely but I think the younger Uso, what's his name again? Um he just said his name. Solo Sokoa. Solo I think he has the makings of a future star in the WWE. I think they're building him up right. I think he's going to be around for a long time. He's a North America champion, which is also cool because it is an NXT belt that is being defended on SmackDown now. They sort of elevated that belt, which is kind of cool to see. But I think he has the potential of being a great single star, unlike his brothers who are more tag team orientated. Who so did he I fight? Mad Cat Moss, was it? 
Yeah, he beat Matt Moss, which I will hand it to Tones. Matt Moss has got better. I still don't think he's going to be. Yeah, but they need to. I agree. I, I saw, not to cut you off, but I saw somebody mention how they love Madcap Moss, but they just think the direction of the character is a little bit in the wrong light of things right now. Like he, he has the strength, he's getting the crowd a reaction, but we need, we need to get him in a story, not really character maybe, but more story. We need to get him in something where there, it just makes sense for him. I feel like nothing's molded to him yet. Kind of like an early Drew McIntyre. Yeah. Like um, nothing yeah. makes him, he's a tall guy. Nothing makes him stand out from the rest. You know, it's not like it's anything like special about Madcap Moss. It's not like his theme music isn't great. Like, it's like he's just another face of the crowd. Maybe they do rework the character or something, add something to him. But he, like I said, the crowd loves him. But when you look at him, he's just another face in the crowd, really. Like, there's still other people that's more deserving of a shot than him. Ricochet, for example. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I won't argue you there. Now I'm trying to see right now the fit. Ricochet, uh, he at least got to fight Sami Zayn on Friday. But the Fatal 4-Way uh, number one contenders match that was for the tag titles that would be fought this Friday was between New Day, Brawling Brutes, Hit Row, and Imperium. Uh, the Brawling Brutes one, I actually watched that match. That was a good one. It is heel versus heel, but people love Sheamus. So that Sheamus being on their side kind of helps. It kind of makes it more of a, you know, they'll be ball, they'll be pulling for the brutes. Most people. So could you possibly? I possibly could see a face turn for that entire group, just because I think they are going to feud with Imperium. And Imperium is a heel faction, so I feel like Sheamus getting the reaction from the crowd. It's been a while since Sheamus actually people cared about Sheamus actually. So I think. This would be the right time to switch him over, give Pete Dunn his name back, drop Butch, make him be the cruiserweight brute again, Pete Dunn. And I, I think there's a baby, I think there's a baby face turn for these guys, that group coming up real soon. And I will say we were wrong. Me, Tones, I think me and Tones predicted that the new day would win and it'll be the same old, same old. So shout out WWE for proving. Well, they changed the groups on us. I noticed that and I told Tones. They actually had like Alpha Academy in there, and then another team. Uh, was it? Street it was a uh, Street Profits were in there. Right? Yeah, and then because they figured it was too redundant, they ended up changing that around and making it like all SmackDown, where they put in the Hit Row, they put in the Brute. So I think they made good last second changes, realizing they would have too many rematches, regardless of the winner. Yeah, because I mean, we all like the Street Profits, but we think they had too many chances. And I think the Alpha Academy is currently feuding with Brian Strowman. So not exactly. of having them in two different stories. So it was a smart move. It gets the crowd to know who Hit Row is. I'm still trying to figure out who they are. And um, what was it? It was four tag teams. We all know the Usos. We, I mean, uh, New Day, Brawling Brutes, Hit Row, and Imperium. Yeah, Imperium is a new team also from Air. Because let's be honest, not that many people, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you, not that many people actually sit and watch NXT UK. So I think they're still somewhat of a new team in a sort of a way. So it's a great way to introduce two new teams instead of the same old, I'm a huge Alpha Academy fan, but I know who they are. Same with Street Profits. So I do like the swerve 
and adding two new teams instead of redundant same old match from a few weeks ago. And that's why I think Triple H, you know, he made it. Everyone always gets on Vince for making last minute serves. Even Tony might do it. But Triple H made a good one there after I think he realized his mistake. Speaking of, you know, we're speaking of these tag teams that lead into factions, which WWE see more of. What you were the first one to comment on the group chat. What is your idea on the war games perspective being added to extreme rules next month in Philly? Dude, I love it. Honestly, it's it's a cool concept. So if a lot of people don't know, the original idea, I believe, came from WCW where they would they would sort of it was sort of like well they had different levels of it or whatnot, but it was still cage surrounding the ring. You had a team and whatnot, and they would fight in the cage. And I, and I watched the one where Kevin Owens showed up on NXT. I, the few times I did watch NXT TakeOver, it was crazy. I think it was Chopper that – I think he went through a table off the top rope, off the top of the cage or something. I remember watching that like, dude, that's so crazy. And I think it's a smart idea. We have a, a couple – we have a couple factions. You got the Bloodline. You got the um, Bailey. uh what, what are they calling their faction? You damage got, control. Yeah, you got damage control. You got uh, Imperium. You got all these other factions. So I think War Games is a very is smart to do, and I think it will make people more interested. Because let's be honest, Survivor Series has taken a drop back in interest of late because they, the original idea was a five-on-five traditional tag team elimination match. But they haven't did that in a while. They do one a year, two a year. So I think adding war games will make people appreciate Survivor Series more because it is one of the big four pay-per-views. Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, SummerSlam, Survivor Series are the, considered the big four pay-per-view of the WWE. So I like them adding something new to spice up Survivor Series. And again, for people that don't know, war games is when you basically get a double cage. Instead of just like one, you pretty you get two rings in the middle. You surround them each with a cage. And it's teams of five, and you bet you have to eliminate the other team. And AEW's done it a little bit too, um, but and it started, uh, you know, way back then, like Cleveland said. But may got really popular in NXT and War Games pay per views. Which, since they're going back to their old branding, I wouldn't put it past Triple H to maybe try and get NXT involved in some way, shape, or form. But it's really cool. I mean, you know, double the rings, double the cells, double the people, double the fun. I do agree with you. Uh, Survivor Series has lost its touch over the past. The only one that I actually thought lived up to it was the one in Chicago where NXT was involved because that was having, you know, new blood, uh, you know, this third brand coming up and, you know, being quite successful under Triple H. They were, you know, invading Raw and SmackDown. That was a cool angle. But besides that, over the past, you kind of just Survivor Series goes by, and that's exactly what happened. It goes by and you move on. Um, let's remember it for something. And I think Triple H will bring that back more. Uh, like I said, it's about in three weeks in Philly, October the 8th on a Saturday. So it's another Saturday, uh, this time Saturday night, because last pay-per-view was overseas Saturday during the day. This one is Saturday night. And uh, I'm looking forward to that as well. I'm, I'm really interested to see how they do it. Will they put, you know, a woman's and a men's in there? Will they keep Raw SmackDown? Will they m- mess more with the factions, as Cleve was saying? You could bring a lot of dynamics to the table that I like. If I had to pick one, if Roman Reigns 
next title fight is Crown Jewel, which is after Extreme Rules, which seems to be the case, as many reports have shown. Uh, he was never booked for Extreme Rules. I, or at least title-wise, I wouldn't mind seeing like the bloodline versus, you know, the brutes. And maybe you could add a, a couple of members onto them. Cause it's five on five. You have three of the brute. You, you could get creative with it. You already have bloodline with enough members. Um, you could definitely do the same. And then you, in the women's category and raw, we've seen damage control Bailey's group going at it a lot with bliss. Uh, as she had a one-on-one with bliss yesterday. And then uh, Asuka and Bianca were involved. But I, I would keep it more in the bloodline type of things. And quite honestly, I wouldn't even mind if you just do Raw versus SmackDown in there. It could be a cool perspective as well as you were saying. It kind of gets stale when you just do the regular same old, same old. But I thought I would bring that up because uh, that is something new for a lot of people. And boy, oh boy, as I search some YouTube highlights, I mean, it gets intense like I said, AEW also did it as well. You could just go to YouTube, type it in. Uh, obviously, weapons go. People, it, it, it's nuts, and the people love it. So it's been proven to be a success. Hopefully, it continues to be that way. Um, do the but getting back to it, Cleve. Do the Brian Brutes have any chance against the Usos, or there's just no point in the Bloodline losing any titles anytime soon? Uh, I, I forget that they have two sets of titles. Why can't we just fight for one set sometimes? Why do they be fighting for both? So if the rumors are true, it was a leaked photo of a the new tag team. So I think they are going to combine the two tag team belts to just make one. And I'm going to be honest, I don't think the Usos are losing. As long as Rome is the champion, Usos will be champion. That's just I think they just go two hand in hand. But regardless, it will still be a phenomenal match between the two tag teams. But I think Usos carry the belt into Mania, possibly, because there's no real good – I don't think there's a tag team that's over enough to take the belts off them at the moment. And I totally agree. If you're going to – my complaint is, is why can't we just put them separate? So if you can lose one set of titles and have a little bit of separation. But if, you, you know, if you're going to keep it on – the bloodline don't have them lose it have them all be as one they just got another championship with the north american championship and uh we'll see if sammy Zayn can pull something out of his rear maybe he'll get a 24 uh seven title or something but hey as we have him for i thought he'd be in the car traveling i guess he's still at home right now hey mr tones did you get the grass cut before the rain came down or it's storming over here i did i did i got some grass trimmings in uh you know me i break it up one half this day, one half that day. So got the front end mainly, and uh, it, it's it's not quite coming down here yet, but I heard in uh, 30 minutes of here, and by you, it is coming down pretty good. So uh, not looking forward to that. No, and probably a failed. We'll probably get some disconnections, as I'm sure I have the best AT&T internet ever. So be on standby for that, as who knows what could happen with – now it's bright outside. It was just dark as hell, and now it's getting bright looks like it's moving through quick but anyways uh tones we were talking uh, uh mostly smackdown i want to get your opinion on two things the two big things we talked about though uh number one war games being added to uh survivor series that's a cool uh cleve and i both agree that's a cool addition i want your thought on that is survivor series besides the one in chicago we talked about seems to be a little stale kind of just goes by and people forget about it and uh, we disagreed on Logan Paul and Roman Reigns. 
I brought to the point to the table, which he did agree with that. Hey, if you, if you're going to have a loss, throw Logan and Paul in there, don't throw a deserving guy in there. And it, you bring in, that's where the dollar is his viewpoint. It's just random. It doesn't make much sense. Why is he cutting all these people? So we disagreed on that one. Those were the top two headlines. What are your thoughts? We'll start with the Logan Paul one first. Uh, I think he is a moneymaker. He is a talent. And it makes all the sense in the world why he is in the main event if you're just looking at dollars and cents part of the equation. Um, You know, he's a headliner. His name holds weight. And him against Roman Reigns will draw clicks in. However, we know how the wrestling universe is. That's not how you approach the WWE universe. You don't approach him with things like that. You don't approach him with dollar signs. You approach him with in-ring talent and deserving talent. Not saying Logan Paul isn't an in-ring talent, but he's not a deserving talent, in my opinion, at least yet. We know that Roman Reigns is going to be anyone at this point in time anyways, whether it's a Logan Paul, whether it's a Kevin Owens, whether it's a Sami Zayn, whoever the hell it might be who steps in his way. I don't have a problem with it if it felt the timing was a little more appropriate. To me, it's still... Um, a little rush. It does make sense for the dollars thing. I hear you. Uh, UFC does that as well. And, uh, you know, that creates some gripes sometimes. We've seen it not too long ago uh, this past or two weekends ago, right? We were supposed to get Nate Diaz against Kamza. And, uh, you know, that wasn't really deserving of a match, perhaps, for some opponents. We know what happened there. Miss Wade cuts, yada, yada, yada. But we see it all the time in fighting sports. Um, it's about what makes money sometimes. It's not the right thing to do nor the fair thing to do for the fans or for other talent on the roster, but at the end of the day, it'll get its clicks and views internationally. I don't think I would have went about it that way, but you know, it's not too big of a deal in the grand scheme of things. I do think I it, do agree with you a little rushed. I, I, will, I, I will agree with that one. I think it's a little rushed. And then uh the other point, what was the other point? War again? Games being introduced to Extreme Rules next month. Now, War Games is awesome. It's a hell of a match. And, uh, you know. It's, did you see it, one, actually? I, I've seen one. I did see. I didn't see it Or was it just an NXT pay-per-view? You went to an NXT pay-per-view. Right. I didn't go to a War Games. I Gosh. went to a TakeOver. I've seen War Games yeah. on, you know, the broadcast or the pay-per-views or live in terms of sitting my ass in the couch and watching it. But, Absolutely. no, it wasn't in Chicago, sadly. I did see some great matches in Chicago. I've seen Lars Sullivan against A-Lister Black at the time. That was actually really good. <laughs> Talk I, about how those two names have. Man, and that's the thing about wrestling. That's the thing about wrestling. You're on top of the world one day, and then next thing you know, you know, you're not even in a company. So, and then I found in a porno with another dude. (laughs) Yeah, you're, you know, (laughs) that's Lars Sullivan, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. If you different strokes for different folks, I guess, uh, you know, different strokes is right. Lars is dipping his paint pen in different feathers, but um, we got a, you know. Yeah, uh, war games it, it's one of those things where it is a good match it's a match that was created for the nxt premise and that's the only problem i have with it i i like the match getting added um to the survivor series give it a little more spunk in uh that force or whatnot but to me it kind of felt like you know an nxt thing and it kind of felt like it helped make nxt paper uh, pay-per-views and takeovers and war games that much better with their 
unique type matches. We'll see. Because AEW's tried a couple, but obviously yeah, but they not, don't call it the same thing. And that's it's, you know that's copycat mockery. Um, you're gonna see that all the damn time. And I don't. I mean, their matches were good. AEW's were in the same atmosphere. Don't get me wrong, but it just didn't feel special. But hey, you got to do it. It's wrestling. We see it all the time. Every match, every promotion gets copied. So. I damn see, I damn sure see why WWE is doing it, and I understand that, uh, you know, Survivor Series is getting stale. I do think there's multiple other things they could do as well to help it, but adding a War Games match to the equation is never a bad thing in terms of entertainment purposes. No, it's not at all, and we pretty much all agree on. I mean, you really have to be a hater to not like the you know War Games aspect being added in. Paul and Roman Reigns, you know, that could go either way. I'm probably more in the minority on that one. But at day's end, we will find out at Crown Jewel and Extreme Rules, uh, the next two pay-per-views, how worth it it was. I did bring up AEW a minute that we have tones here because I don't know for how long. I want to get, you know, a couple of tad the big things out from there. Cleve, I'll start with you. I t- You wanted a young guy in the championship picture for – uh, AEW is the next champion. Well, that you will not be getting your wish because it's Moxley versus Danielson. Now, Moxley has been a champion twice, technically. Uh, and Danielson, I don't believe he's had the title yet. And I'm going to pose this to you guys like this. And I thought this in the semifinals when they started uh, with four or six men. I think Daniel Bryan right now, and as I told you before we came on, Cleve, I give him a lot of crap for his days in WWE for Planet Champion stuff. I find him a little bit annoying. I don't, I'm not always big on his characters since the Yes Movement. Everything pre Yes Movement was uh, great. Haven't been big on him in his last WWE run and then wasn't huge on the beginning of WWE. But what I will say in positivity about him, because he's amazing in the ring, he's going to bring consistency to AEW that they need. Every time I was telling Cleve, uh, CM Punk leaves ROH, Daniel Bryan became champion. He left WWE, next thing you know, Daniel Bryan's champion. Same thing could happen here. Is it ironic? Probably. But to me, he brings the ultimate stability. He's doing a great job of being a heel. He usually, besides his one, uh, you know, couple-year run where he was out, he put in a lot of good years. He's not getting injured all the time. Yes, it happened a little bit as he got older, but He's been around in AEW. I just think right now with everything going on, uh, with, you know, we had the titles changed too many times, whether it was the trios, the heavyweight championship, uh, AEW. He will bring the ultimate, hey, everybody settle down. Put me in a storyline. To me, he could be champion for a long time and uh, bring consistency back to that. Cleve. Uh, and then over to Tones, what is your thoughts and who do you think will actually win tomorrow? I'm obviously going with Daniel Bryan uh, with the point I just staged. Well, I'm going to go with Daniel Bryan, and here's the reason why. Daniel Bryan, to me, is one of the few guys in wrestling in either company that rarely puts on a bad match. It's him, Seth Rollins, AJ Styles, where every match you know they're going to be in, it's going to be a banger. Um he makes every character work. I know you said you didn't like the Planet Champion. I thought that character was absolutely hilarious. Watching him go to the stands and criticizing people for eating burgers and hot dogs and whatnot. And it actually ties into his real life because he is a vegan. So I thought that was real interesting that he 
played that character so well. The only real knock that's been on Danny Bryan is injuries. He's had a lot of concussions throughout his career. It's the reason why his career was short in WWE. He was general manager for a short time. Then he finally was cleared to come back. But I think it'll be the right move to put it on Daniel Ryan just because I don't under I still don't understand why Moxley lost the belt in the first place. But I just don't think he should be the first three-time AEW World's Heavyweight Champion. I think it's time for someone new to hold it, a fresh face, not just the same old person again. And like you mentioned, Daniel Bryan adds stability to the picture. And he can also, I mean, any match he'll put on, I think he's just the overall better wrestler to me than Dean Ambrose, John Moxley. Now, I will say this, though, because you're a little down on Moxley, and then we're going to get Tones' take, is Moxley does bring more fire, and he has just that badass. AEW, the fans love him. And I really do think if the fans, if you took 100 AEW fans, who is the face that they would want to represent AEW right now? I have a pretty strong feeling that would end up being John Moxley. I could be wrong in saying that, but that's my thought. Tones? Yeah, and, uh, you know, they're in an interested state right now, and let's not forget MJF does hold the chip. It's like the money Good in call. the bank. So I, I I see where you guys are coming from, but I really see it as a short placeholder, and MJF is gaining so much steam right now. I really think he's going to – cash it in um, sooner rather than later. AEW's viewership is it's slowly climbing, but it's actually climbed the past several weeks after the incident with CM Punk and the Elite backstage. So they have a decent thing going right now. And what's the main state of that? I think it's uh, right now everyone's excited to see Brian Danielson, Daniel Bryan, whatever the hell you want to call him, return to the ring. And I think people want to see MJF right now. So I, I could really see an interesting storyline going between those two. I do think Brian Danielson, Daniel Bryan, again, whatever the hell you want to call him, wins the belt. Uh, Moxley's great. He's awesome. He brings a flame to the fire. And he fits the, you know, 80s, 90s wrestling mentality of badassness, bleeding all over the damn place. Brian Danielson, uh, I think he does win it, and they let him uh, perfect his craft for a little bit. And then I think it is MJF's belt he's going to get, and uh, I, I, I think they need to give it to, you know, I, I see the stability side too. It's been switching hands a lot, and it's been switching hands all too much. But if Brian Danielson wins it, you know, and then all of a sudden he has an epic match for the belt a little bit down the road, and then, a guy like MJF takes it off his hands and he holds it for a while. I think that would be the way to go for AEW. Get a young star in the mix. Get him maybe interested, more interested in re-signing perhaps. we just seen them re-sign Jake Hager. So some big names are still really looking forward to, you know, growing AEW's momentum. I think now would be a smart time for AEW to try and lure in MJF for the long haul get him really involved in his storyline, get him with the title belt off of a great wrestler like Brian Danielson and elevate MJF's character to where, hey, he's, you know, not as good maybe, but he's always in the convos now with the Kenny Omegas, the Roman Reigns and they, that point. I think you got to get MJF to that level, and I think you got to get it, him there sooner than later. Man, and they have a lot of things that involve the title coming up. Uh, even ROH world titles. By the way, I got five left, fellas. 
Okie dokie. ROH World Title Tones, your boy Jericho is involved tomorrow with Cesaro. Uh, Cleve, ROH World Title. Cesaro hasn't had it that long. Jericho tried to go for the main title, came up a tad short and losing to Danielson. Does he come up with the win over Cesaro? And also, I don't see I don't see Keith Lee and Swerve losing their titles to the acclaim. They're fighting them as well. Um, but yeah, what do you see between Cesaro and Jericho? Uh, I think Cesaro keeps it. I just look, he only won the title in July. Was it twenty third? Actually, so it's actually a, oh, it's actually a brand new title. Uh, no, is that uh, I'm looking at the wrong thing. But yeah. The ROH just, World Title he has. Yeah, I was looking at the wrong. Yeah, so he just won it July 23rd. So I think it'll be a. I don't think it'll be the right move to take the belt off him that fast, especially if you don't have any plans for Cesaro after it. I think that's the problem with a lot of companies, both WWE and AW, where you take the belt off of a guy and then you don't have any plans for him afterwards. I just don't think at this point in time, Jericho career. He doesn't need the ROH World's Heavyweight Champion. So I think Cesaro comes out on top in that match. And he actually made his debut at the event we went to in Chicago, correct, Tones? He did. And uh, and that was in early July? Late June, June 28th or June 29th, I believe. So that makes sense. Then he got, yeah, then Cleveland said he got the title right after that. Uh, what do you like? Are you going to go with your heart? Or are you going to go? Well, it could still be your head, too. Where are you going in that match? And then I'm going to ask you, AEW interim woman's title, Storm versus Deeb versus Athena versus Britt Baker. That's a fatal four-way in itself. Uh, you think you think uh, Storm just keeps going there? I She, she could keep going, but I wouldn't mind if uh, Britt Baker held the woman's title. I agree. Give it some stability there. We talked about it with the men's. I think Britt Baker would give the women's division a little more stability. Is you know, it's one of those belts where you know it's the real thing, but it is in terms. So you you need someone who could hold it and then eventually create a fantastic storyline down the road when the title holder returns. So uh, you know, when uh, Thunder Rosa comes back, I believe that is a crown champion. Yeah. Uh, her and I think Dr. DMT Britt Baker would be incredible uh, rivalry moving forward over the title belt, who's a real title holder or whatnot. And then in terms of Cesaro Jericho, I, I would agree with the Cesaro thing, but if Jericho wins the ROH belt, he officially becomes the first guy ever to hold every major wrestling championship amongst every industry out there, the ROH, the AEW, the WWE, the ECW and then overseas belt, uh, you know, not really, you know, NJ, New Japan Pro Wrestling Championship, whatever that one uh, might be, might be had. So, as much as uh, Cesaro would be a good option, he's newer to the company. He's probably more of a draw for the future of the company. I think you let Jericho get it, and I think he becomes the first ever champion of every major promotion la champion and he deserves it, man he he's one of those guys who you know what whatever promotion he's in he busts his ass he gives 110 percent. he's the guy in the locker room to get creatives going he's the guy in the locker room to calm down altercations he's the guy who ultimately 
makes wrestling better. He's you see, you see him on Twitter all the time. Still giving props to his WWE friends. Still giving props to other wrestling promotions such as WWE, New Japan Pro Wrestling. So Jericho's eye is everywhere in wrestling. It wouldn't shock me to see him return to WWE eventually. But first, he has more business to take care of in AEW, and that starts with winning the ROH title. And La Champion continues his legacy of government. You know what? I'm going to make a quick complaint right here before I get Tones' last rap uh, and let him go off as he's enjoying another celebratory week as his Tampa Bay Bucks get to 2-0. and um, So, unfortunately, I'm the only winless one. AEW does rankings, but the last time their up- website updated was August 31st, so they're still showing the woman's champion is Thunder Rosa. They, uh, at least update it. I mean, I know it's September 20th. At least update it every couple weeks so we could get the right champion. I, lo- I love how they do the rankings, but that's my one complaint. Get a little bit of an update there. Uh, Tones, as I mentioned, uh, you know, your Bucks got to 2 0. You're in a pretty good mood. Uh, we did watch, although fantasy, there's some people being put on our, our list of haters right now for losing us some weeks. We had a good time watching that and Raw. Um, you know, what do you got coming up this week with the Bucketeers? And give me something from Monday Night Raw last night, whether it was the Rollins, uh, you know, he fought Lashley to open and Riddle gets involved, whether it's the Austin Theory KO as they go at it. Uh, you know, we still had uh, Judgment Day playing a big factor. Damage Control and Bailey beat up on Bliss, Bianca Belair, uh, and as they've been doing Asuka, you had you had Dexter Loomis in his promo. Go, He cut through the ring. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, no matter what he used, it looked like a knife. He cut through the ring and scared the Miz. And, yeah, just give me that. Update us on Bucketeers and give me something from Raw that really stood out to you. We'll have a live Bucketeers tomorrow coming at the people, 6 Central Time, 7 Eastern Time, that is. So, um, you know, we got a lot of good momentum rolling there. We're 2-0, and and we haven't had a guest on in the regular season yet, so we might keep it that way until we lose a ball game. You got to keep things going in life, and it's been just the crew. Who, who would have been, been your Packers guy? Uh, Tommy Brown, former player of mine. Oh, yeah, you're not missing nothing there. Oh, come on. Come on. Am <laughs> I pro golfer now? You know, former is military. Really? Former military member, already divorced once in life. So he's, uh, you know, had uh, he has a couple kids. You know, he's he's living life, man. Wow, uh, he's making moves. Yeah, he has two kids, uh, already a new fiance or wife, I believe. So shout out to Tommy Brown. Uh, hopefully, we we could get you on soon, and uh, we'll we'll go back and forth. But yeah, it's been incredible. Um, <clears throat> Bucketeers has been doing good things. We got a. Luke Godeke, Gedke, mini helmet giveaway, sign mini helmet giveaway. That'll be announced in tomorrow's show. Be on the lookout for that. We got a new logo coming, new promotionals coming, new video coming. A lot of good things coming to the Bucketeers. Hey, a lot of Cleve. Cleve, I think he's afraid to have Olivia on. His lady might put him in his place being the Packer fan. Oh, yeah, they do play next week. Yeah, have fun being 2 and one Oh, oh, damn! Well, we already had a lady on week one for our college. Oh, oh, <laughs> her name was Cleavette. So. Yeah, that was funny. 
All they did was cry the whole it was, come on. Yeah. But um, he, he's all high on his big one win over there. Yeah, one win against, you know, Joe Burrow slowly turning into Jameis before our eyes, holding on to the football too long, eating all these sacks out there. Worry about eating a W and quit holding on to the football. It's come on now. The Cowboys were handed that victory by the Bengals. That was an easy win for the Cowboys. If they didn't win that game, I think Mike McCarthy would have been fired right there on the spot. With our backup quarterback, Cooper Russ, okay? Have some faith, look. Maybe uh, that, maybe maybe uh, the team is the team a little bit better without Dak Prescott. No, don't start that crap. Don't start that crap. Hey. <laughs> no, but hey, I don't blame Dak. He ran into the best defense in football week one, so it was really a tough game for him. And uh, you know, we made Jameis look the same way now, and I look forward to making Ayahuasca the same same way in uh, week three. Ayahuasca boys running his mouth saying, "I don't have anyone to go to." Throw two, going on Joe Rogan podcast, going on Pat McAfee show, while Tom Brady isn't in the media at all. So really a tale of two personas there. And uh, looking forward to another week of the Bucketeers tomorrow, 6 Central, 7 Eastern. Love you, boys. Uh, it's, it's you, didn't, you don't want to give me – you didn't like Raw, huh? <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I like the Kevin Owens momentum. I like the angle he's taking. It, it, that is really building, actually. Yeah, if you keep cutting me off, I can't get my word in. No, I'm kidding. But uh, I really like the momentum it's building. I think that he's returning to the KO that people want to see and the KO that people love. And I think that he's going to continue to make his presence felt. And somehow along the way, him and Sami Zayn will rekindle the flame. And uh, we'll see where that goes. But I think KO's on the up and up. And they did a good job of continuing that momentumous wave last night. I apologize. Do you have anything left to say, Captain Tones? Uh, just follow me at Tampa Tones on Twitter. Bucketeers, keep up with us all over the damn place. Uh, you know, like I said, giveaways coming. We appreciate it. We try and keep you guys up to date with the latest and greatest Buck news, which we just heard Akeem Hicks is out probably a month. Josh Wells is week to week. He's going to miss this upcoming game. And we signed Cole Beasley today, former Dallas Cowboy Mr. 82 catches in the last two years, Colby. Now, if somebody doesn't have Twitter, if somebody listens to this Cleve, podcast. you're yawning over there. Give me a break. When we get healthy, our wide receivers will run laps around you all day. Evans, one. Godwin, two. Julio, three. Beasley, oh, four. Russell, one. Oh, at least the dirty player. The oh, dirty yeah. player is Micah Stop Parsons. Yeah. The Who's dirty player is Micah Parsons. Look at his criminal history and what he does to women. That's a dirty player you got in Dallas. The one who actually gets in trouble with the law. Not the law-abiding citizen. Great guy who sticks up against pricks. By the way, Lattimore's a thug. Lattimore's been arrested off the field. Lattimore's been a thug on the field. So keep your name. Get your facts straight, buddy boy. Just because Mike Evans Mike is sticking Evans. up for his teammates, the greatest trash. quarterback of all time. And by the way, who instigated the whole fight in 2017? Your boy, thumb-sucking Jameis Winston over there, was the one who instigated it with Lattimore. So maybe the where the shoe fits, Jameis is in both of these things. Maybe you got to take a look in the mirror at your actual thugs off the field. Marshawn Lattimore, Jameis Winston, and Micah Parsons, buddy. I just well, put you in a body bag. I don't think you can come out of that one and spew any more fake news about 
Mr. Mike Evans, who's one two of the most one respected players in the NFL. Two and one will still be better than your team at the end of no next Rogers. year. When you're crying over your loss against Big Dog's team, buddy boy. Oh, are gonna body bag that it. is a big your matchup. Your coach is going to be crying into the Wendy's drive-thru after the damn game while your backup <laughs> quarterback is looking for his teeth I, on the ground after Kayvon Thibodeau upsend him in the fucking side of the head. I do think we need Evans and Lattimore to finish us in the ring one day in a no-holds-bar. But, Tones, really quickly before you go, if people don't have social media but they somehow listen to this podcast and want to listen to Buccaneers coverage just because they love listening to your voice, what do you type in on YouTube to find your content? Bucketeers, B-U-C-C-A-T-E-E-R-S. It's like instead of Buccaneers, Bucketeers podcast. We got we just hit the 240 subscriber mark on YouTube, I want to say. Awesome. So we're getting in the right direction. And we're starting to get consistent with YouTube viewership between the 50 to 100 views per video YouTube mark, some over, some under. So uh, you could also find us on Facebook if you go to Bucks Life News. And let me say this, Cleve. I'm team Mike Evans because that's my quarterback. Unlike Terrell Owens who cried over his quarterback, Mike Evans is fighting for his. So that's where I'm putting the line in the sand right there. Well, never never listen to a guy's team. This is all I'll say. He's a fan of a team who stabbed Jimmy Johnson in the back. He's a fan of a team who stabbed Tony Romo in the back. He's a fan of a team who stabs people in the back. They make bad office decisions. That's why they haven't won in forever. The last time, the last time, the last time you guys won an important game, you didn't even know what the sport of the football guy that was. fumbled the snap and couldn't get a touchdown. Oh yeah, that Tony Romo. Come he was on, way yeah. better than Dak oh, Prescott will no, ever be. Level no, to no, this buddy. No, Dak no, Prescott no. can never win the big one. He's gonna get Tony ran out of Dallas. Good. Cooper no, Rush no, is a better quarterback no. than he is right now. Cooper Rush is out here winning football games. Dak Prescott's outscoring three points against the best defense in the league, baby. Dak Prescott doesn't know his ass from the hole in the ground in Mike McCarthy's offense. Tom Brady's not looking like the old Brady, but, I mean. We got the best D in the league, baby. All we got to do is run the football. Injuries piling up. It ain't looking too good. Oh, and we're two and zero with all these injuries. You're making my case, my friend. When we get these back, woo! You went zero and one with your jag off quarterback. What What are you gonna do when he's back? Lose more games. Get a mic because I can't even hear you when you're talking with your lowest quality Hawaiian. Oh, look at that! Look at that! You know what? It's gonna be okay because you guys have finished second in your division, so it doesn't even matter. Oh, damn! Joe's gone. No, I'm back. Oh, I'm back. back. So, second in our division while you finish third. I, you know, what we're going to get first and you're going to get third or fourth in yours and we'll call it a day. I'm glad you guys carried me through with a little bit there. But thank you again, Tampa Tones, for coming on as we got a little sidetrack. But I love the passion for the National Football League. Thank you again, Mr. Tampa Tones. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Take care, fellas. <laughs> Until next time. See you next week. All right, Mr. Cleve, we have a lot to get into still here. Sorry, I had to step away for just a minute. I know you guys arguing. I did not need to interrupt anyways. But let's get back to the wrestling on the field, as at least you both are enjoying your weeks in terms of that national football. Oh, wait. Uh, we, we didn't talk about the Liv Morgan and Ronda Extreme Rules match that was announced on SmackDown. My apologies. Before we get to Raw, give me your thoughts. Um. 
I think this is the match where Ronda Rousey is literally probably going to beat the hell out of Liv Morgan in this match. Uh, I think it will be a competitive match. Over under, over under five minutes. Oh, over five minutes only because it is an extreme rules match. And, you know, there there's going to be a couple Kindle sticks, a couple chair shots and whatnot. But I don't see this match going no longer than 10 minutes, honestly. I think. Liv Morgan's going to get her early hits in, but then Ronda's going to finish this match off the right way. I just hope, it's just my it's just my thought on it, there's no way Liv Morgan can beat Ronda Rousey three times in a row. I don't think Ronda character can bounce back if Liv Morgan beats her in a straight-up clean match. Because there's no interference or whatnot. There's, it's extreme rules match, so anything goes, so. I think Ronda has to win because the crowd is finally behind her character. I have to ask you one more question, and he's been on Raw and SmackDown, but more SmackDown lately. Braun Strowman just beating the crap out of the people. We kind of talked about that gets redundant, but this week he gets a one-on-one with Otis. My question to you on that before we close out the last 10 minutes of the show with Raw, should he stomp Otis quickly, or should this actually be a really good match? Because if you ask me, this should be a quality match. Don't just throw the Alpha Academy a good tag team under the water. Well, I think this should be a good match for for a reason because you notice that Chad Gable gets a lot of single matches, and we understand why Chad Gable is in a former Olympian. He's actually really good in the ring. But Otis, is, I think Otis needs – I think they need to rebuild Otis' character and show us that he can stand on his own. It was not no more than, what, two years ago that Otis was the money indie bank winner. I know on I was very criticism of it because I thought he did not deserve it, which I still do believe that Vince is strapped on him because of the crowd reaction. But I think that he deserves his chance to show the fans that he can also stand on his own. He's also a big dude. As big as Braun Strowman is, Otis is not no pushover either. Otis is very strong. I mean, look at the man's arms. Man's got no neck. He's that strong. So, I think this could be a very competitive match. We've seen Strowman powerbomb Otis. Why not have Otis have a running power slam on Braun Strowman or something? But I think this will be a really good match, and it should be. It should not just be a squash match because I think Otis deserves better. Yeah, and the Alpha Academy now, to me, um, they should, whenever they split up the tag champions again, uh, the championship belts, they should have a set of those in my eyes. Um, Cause I just think their chemistry is good. They're good involvement with the crowd. You have the technician in Gable, you have the meat and potatoes and Mr. Otis. And I think that would just be the way to go. But I had to ask that because uh, they kind of transition into raw because they end up on there sometimes as well. As you know, Cleve, I think like unlike back in the day where Raw and SmackDown people would end up on each other's shows, it was just kind of random. At least when they do it now, to me, under Triple H, it makes sense when there's a crossover. I don't know if you noticed that or been looking at that, but between some tag teams and some other things that go on, uh, like for example. Bailey ends up on both. Sometimes she's in a faction that kind of makes it, you know, I just think when they do cross over from Brandon Barron, it's with more uh, legitimacy. I agree. I think the stories are more consistent now. They're just not no more. It's just a random. Remember that one day, um, what was it? The one guy a week could come over for whatnot. It was just a random appearance. So 
it does make sense. Damage control currently are the women's tag team champions, so you will be seeing more of them on both brands. Honestly, I think probably NXT if they eventually get rid of their women's champion. And you also, even with the bloodline, the bloodlines are floating back and forth because they are the tag team champion. So I think it's just more consistency, and it's not just random people showing up that has nothing. That's like Shane is showing up on Raw. He has no reason to be on Raw. But other guys like the bloodline, damage control, uh, Roman, for example, you know, other guys that storylines just kind of can float between both shows. It makes more sense. And that's why I didn't mind when the Brawling Brutes, Sheamus's group, they were on Raw. That's because they have a match on Friday for the belts. Get a little match in, you know, get them feeling good about themselves. And, you know, to go on that point, Kayla Braxton, who does a lot of the interviews, uh, the backstage stuff, she's on the pay-per-views pre-show and post-show. I think she even does Raw talk. But she was uh, saying on a tweet today, and I want to find it real quick because I want to read it word for word, but it has to do with the creativity lately. She said it's been really fun seeing the fresh breath of creativity pumped into WWE lately. And I couldn't agree more with that comment. And that's coming from someone who's pretty unbiased and likes to be you know, level-headed all the way around. But just randomly tweets that out today, and I thought that just you know, another sign of how things are going very well but let's finally get to raw as we close out the show because we do not have a lot of time left and there is still so much we could potentially go over clave i'm going to start with your boy lashley very very smart match last night i think they opened raw with a banger uh i think it was like almost 30 minutes and they had seth rollins lose on interference from riddle to continue that feud and they let the big boy lashley keep on to the title which i think is huge because it's bringing the USA Championship and Intercontinental Championship, which have been down for so many years and so long, both of them relevant again. And I love the way Monday Night Raw started yesterday. I 100% agree. Bobby Lashley title reign is sort of like when The Miz was the Intercontinental Champion on there, Brock was the um, Universal Champion. At the moment, Bobby Lashley is the highest champion on Raw because Roman Reigns is part-time at the moment, and Roman really doesn't make that much Raw appearance. He's still sort of, I still see Roman as a SmackDown guy. So it's sort of like Bobby Lashley is the top guy on Raw. And every dude, I'm honestly, ever since Triple H has taken over, every United States champion match has been an absolute banger. Bobby Lashley is really elevating that champion, which it really needed because if you'd have told me last year the United States champion is getting this much respect again, I would have looked at you crazy. But they just had a phenomenal match. Watching Bobby Lashley stop the stump with how strong his neck was. And you mentioned the loss also protects Seth because it wasn't a clean loss. So it it still adds to the story with the Seth Rollins and Matt Riddle, which they're going to have match extreme rules. And then I just I really like the direction that the United States champion is going. And I think a lot of people are really loving Bobby Lashley as champion. And honestly, I wouldn't mind Bobby holding this champion until – the next year of January or so, just because he's been putting on such great matches these past few. These are like pay-per-view worthy matches we are getting for the United States. And I will say, you know, uh, I think I agree with you, but you're definitely right on that. And I'm glad to see Bobby built back up after losing the main title. Uh, 
You know, hey, one thing I was correct on, Judgment Day keeps, you know, advancing. Not only do they add members, they picked up again, a win again against Riddle and Ray yesterday. Uh, you know, then they were talking to Styles at the end. I don't imagine Styles joining Finn Balor in the Judgment Day, even though they've been two sweet teammates before. Um, but, man, I mean, it's not stopping. Dom is getting more into his role. I think that has been a good spot for him to be under – the likes of right Rhea Ripley. Uh, they keep really building this thing up. We haven't talked a lot of Judgment Day tonight, but I've been thoroughly impressed, let's say you. Because a lot of people thought after Edge left them, it was just going to be a catastrophic disaster. I'm not saying it's been epic. I'm not saying it's been amazing. I'm saying it's been a pretty good faction that to me put some haters to rest for a little bit with success. It's definitely been a solid B. It can you can go from a solid B to a B plus just because I look forward to seeing them each week. You got Damian Priest, Finn Balor, you got Rhea Ripley, just added Dominic Mysterio, a guy that needed this heel turn more than anyone because a lot of people were turning on Dominic Mysterio because he was just like, okay, he's just here because he's raised sons. But I think each week is just something they get better and better at. They sort of tease a feud between AJ Styles and Finn Balor. I think if they go that direction, you will have a couple of great matches between the two because crazy as it is, AJ Styles and Finn Balor only had one match in WWE since they both signed with the company a while back. So that's a fresh new storyline to go with. Um, Edge is gone for a while. You still got Rey Mysterio feuding with the Judgment Day. So I do like, I am a huge fan of Judgment Day, and I really like how Rhea Ripley is sort of like this enforcer where she's beating you up, but you can't touch her because she's a female. So I think that is going to also play into Edge returning with his wife at Phoenix. So I love Judgment Day. And it's long-term long-term storytelling, like we talk about it. There's so many things happening like Riddle and Rollins, not going at it per se, but then they do go at it behind the scenes. They'll have another match. Uh, Theory KO Gargano. You know, Johnny Gargano is going to get his first tag team match with Kevin Owens next week against Alpha Academy. That's going to be cool. Uh, one random note I just wanted to say, since we do talk some NFL during the season, especially because we're such big fans. Uh, George Kittle was there last night, but you better get on the field for the 49ers soon as you and your boy Jimmy Garoppolo seem to uh, – being some success here as he came in for the Trey Lance who got injured. And uh, I know George Kittle's a huge wrestling fan. Hope to see him on the field soon as well. One thing I want to talk about that you didn't yet, or none of us have mentioned really too much to this point is the Dexter Loomis and Miz part. I really want to know where this ends up, Cleve. I know Loomis multiple weeks now has been, you know, scaring the crap out of Miz. I don't know what road they're going to take this down, but it almost feels like to me where we could get a Hell in a Cell or Extreme Rules match out of these two guys. I it, Probably with Extreme Rules coming up, I could you see that as being one of the Extreme Rules matches? Or Miz, he doesn't really get involved in that stuff anymore now that he's more Hollywood with the, you know, the weaponry. I think um, I don't think they'll have a match too soon, but I think eventually they will have a match. I am enjoying it just because Loomis is—he's sort of coming off as this like maniac, crazy type guy, 
Serial killer. <laughs> yeah, he's giving off serial killer vibes where Miz was climbing out the cage. You look up, you look down, and he just laying there. And then yesterday he cuts the ring open. So I do like the direction this is going. I think this is long, long-term storyline that they're building. And like I said, it's the Miz putting over not one guy because Chapa is another guy that's working with the Miz. Miz is currently putting over two new characters on the main roster that if you didn't watch NXT, you wouldn't know who these guys were. So I like the direction this feud is going just because you have the Miz and you have two newer guys on the main roster that the crowd is getting used to. I just like where it's going. Oh, I do too. And before we get out of here, Cleve, I had to bring this up from Raw. I forgot last night they're going to revive the fight pit, uh, you know, and to exactly what that means, I got to look more into. Maybe you have a little more info, but Seth Rollins and Matt Riddle, their final fight will probably be at Extreme Rules, and it's in what they call the fight pit. I want to look that up real quick. Do you have any idea on what that could be? Uh, Okay, so I forgot. It was the pay-per-view. I think it was 98. It was Ken Shamrock, who was a former UFC fighter. And it was someone else. And they sort of did like a dungeon or they sort of did like a UFC type matchup where it was like an octagon, basically, where the cage surrounded. Well, it wasn't a ring. It was like literally how the octagon was set up. What year did you say this was? Uh, 98 or 99. It was Ken Because they – go ahead. Ken Shenrock was for sure in this match. And I forgot who he was facing. But I remember watching it with a few of the friends in college. But I think it will probably be – something like that type of match but i think this will be a great blow off of this great feud between these two guys because i think at a certain point you just gotta hash it out and just move away but i think this will be the perfect way to end it between these two guys and i'm curious to see who comes out on top just because you know it can really go either way in this match yeah, and since Rollins did get a win recently, I'd probably give it to Riddle, but we could talk about that on the pre- uh, preview show. From Sportskedia.com, they say, Fight Pit matches the WWE stipulation wherein the ring is surrounded by a steel cage-like structure. However, this is different from the dr- traditional steel cage match because one cannot win by escaping. Victory can only be, be claimed by knockout or submission, which makes it a Fight Pit match, more MMA. So, wow, there's no pinning or no escaping. You have to win by knockout or submission. I absolutely love that the more I read about it. Definitely an extreme. And it's one more thing, too, Joe. I don't know if you – I know we're I know we're going to get off the air real quick, but I don't know if you've been noticing the reading reports. WWE has been playing the theme song of Bray Wyatt, the theme, these last few days, especially at the house show. The white yeah, see, it, is that really him? What is that his song? I've been I've been seeing some things, but haven't been following as close there. Tell us more about it. And then it was yesterday on Raw. They said it was like a QR code or something where you scan it and it said the bunny. You know the guy, the bunny that was with Bray Wyatt's Fun House. So and the date was September twenty third. So I wait. That was on Raw. Yeah, that was on Raw. Yeah. And what did it say about September 23rd? Um, I, it was just had the bunny in September 23rd. So maybe Bray Wyatt comes back Friday. You know, really? it's a long life. Like, they've been playing his theme song, The White Rabbit, the last few days, last few shows. And it's a very, it's a big possibility. And I mean, man, that would do, because they talk, it's been rumored for so long now. And I think with Triple H in charge, we will see Bray Wyatt. 
back in the yeah, day. Yeah, you're right. Jeff, the airplane song White Rabbit has been playing at WWE events recently. Uh, the clues keep picking up, like you said, on Raw. What does it mean? Is it a sign for, or, you know, a lot of though are saying some, something it has more to do with carrying across potentially dusting off old Lucha underground gimmick. But the other, all the others say Bray Wyatt, man, if they brought him back to, if they brought Wyatt back to SmackDown, that'd be cool if they kind of paired him up with Roman uh, Braun again, but they do say there's something with Karrion Cross, how that could be it either. So we're going to just have to tune in and see um, because I don't know much about Cross's care. Apparently, an independent wrestling show, Lucha Underground, uh, he was named the White Rabbit. So they're also, that's where speculation flies. But I, I personally rather it be Bray Wyatt. I think we all want Bray Wyatt back just because. Remember that day you were over at my crib. We recorded a show. I'll never forget this. It wasn't last summer. It was the, it wasn't this summer. I mean, it was, it was I'm pretty August. sure. August we of 2021. We went to that Raw, yeah. And that Saturday morning, we're on the balcony at my apartment. Yep, this was last. Uh, and we're sitting there, and I'm like, damn, Cleve, he just got released. And that was the first release that really upset me. Like, I was like, damn, are you serious? It was so random, too. It was just out of nowhere. Like, he had that match at Mania, then he just disappeared off TV for a while. So, Man, I think him coming back because Triple H said he has a lot of surprises in store coming up. It's been a true, lot true. of changes. I will say, last thing I will want to say is that for any fans that thinking blood is making a return since Triple H is in charge, Triple H sort of hint in an interview that we have moved past the days of wrestlers bleeding in a ring. So, for any diehard old wrestling fans, we're not going to see blood in the ring. And personally. I'm not mad about it because I think I'm over the days of seeing a guy wearing a crimson mask in a match. I I just don't have the stomach for it anymore, and I just don't. I just think we're past that type of hardcore type wrestling now, in my opinion. It's sort of trash now to see a guy bleeding all over the ring and whatnot. But just a little thought, just in case anybody thought you know TV 14 means more blood, it won't mean blood. Wait, why? Well, I, I mean, it, it really hasn't changed over yet, though. Well, no, what I'm saying, but it was like if it ever does, yeah, if it ever does, Triple H said he doesn't see WWE going back that way toward blood just because he said they move this so far from that time. And I do remember him talking about that. And no, you know, you bring up a plethora of good points here. We talked about a lot tonight. One thing I also want to say, I do like the press conferences. We talked about that with AEW because they more started that trend. Uh, but now WWE is picking up on it, which I think is also really cool. But man, oh man, we talked over an hour. We hit, we had a lot of good talks. We had, we had our fun with Tones talking National Football League. But Cleveland, your final thought. I want to get inside of Cleveland's thoughts. Is there anything wrestling wise we haven't talked about that you would like to talk about? And also, what's cracking the rest of the week for you? I know you got some big things coming up. Just one question because I forgot to ask this last week. Where is Veer? Where is Veer? He was on the show, and it seems like he just disappeared. Where is he? I, I was liking this guy. So I would like to know. Oh, another thing is, too, Ezekiel Carrots is officially dead. Elias has been added back to the roster. I read a report somewhere. I forgot exactly where, but they removed Ezekiel. 
and Elias is back. So for all the Ezekiel fans, including myself, Zeke is gone. Elias is back. Um, so for to answer your question, what I think for some of the those two, especially you just mentioned, I simply think Triple H thought those gimmicks were probably not good. I think with Veer, he wants to make him more heel than ever, and he, he found what Vince did maybe not to be, you know, good enough. I think – but the potential is there. I think with Ezekiel, if Triple H put – if he's back to Elias, I think that he thinks Elias probably didn't get enough – uh, gratitude and enough, you know, stories and championships. And maybe he's going to try to bring out the best out of him there because a lot of people always thought Elias, besides being a great guy for his musicians, messing with people like Cena and Undertaker a few manias ago, he's always in good creative things, but he's never had that serious run. Maybe that time's coming soon. And then the last thing I got planned for the week, I got two tests coming up for these two jobs. One, a juvenile detention center and the other one CSA. So fingers crossed, I get uh I pass these exams with no issues. And the final thought is next Monday, folks. It is the Giants versus the Cowboys on Monday night football. I hope you're tuning in, Myron. You're not gonna back out this $20 bet this time like you did last week. Chicken, I'm not gonna curse because I want to end the show on a positive note. But I just want to say, Myra, I can't wait till we end this little 2-0 happy start to your season because the Cowboys are back, baby. Super Bowl champions this year. Oh, jeez. Um, well, to the fans out there, God bless and good night. But I can't. Oh, boy. Skip Bayless, Cowboys, Cleveland. Um, sheesh. NBA is coming up. I'm going to be sick to my stomach if LeBron is a good year. But for that being Cleve, this is me. God bless. Good night. And I hope you enjoyed all the content in tonight's edition of Cleve and Me. If I ever get the episode numbers down, I'm sure we're plenty over 100. Thank you all.